0: As we are known to do, we will present three new, fresh punk rock episodes this month and one from last year's run. Let's see, which one should we do, Marcus? How about the Sex Pistols?
1: Sounds good to me. That's a fun episode, and their importance in punk rock is monumental.
0: We've spent a lot of time talking about London punk and East Coast punk, but to start punk rock month Those Dead Kennedys.
1: The Dead Kennedys are often referred to as the first San Francisco hardcore punk band. Definitely they're one of the first and a band who had an impact on all who crossed their path. Their sound definitely had a hardcore vibe to it, and the lyrics especially were super politically charged, extremely sarcastic, and offensive to people who maybe aren't so nice but are in power. And it <laughs> listen, re- listen. It-
0: Jello was the most punk of all, poking fun about everything and everybody, including punk itself. And I loved the way that he threw himself into the lyrics for Emphasis, the way he threw himself into the causes he believed in.
1: He attacked everybody on both sides. He did not care which side of the political spectrum you were on. If you were a schmuck, if you were a crook, he went after
0: you. He was and is an equal opportunity offender.
1: And they're one of those bands who make people feel uncomfortable. And if you're feeling uncomfortable when you listen to them, you got to check yourself. And that's really how it is in life in general. If something makes you uncomfortable, check yourself.
0: Well, you got to listen to the lyrics to get that part of it, Marcus. And I don't know, maybe on the first record, Sonically, it was a little tough for people to really get their ears around it. There's a reason why Jello loved the album Plastic Surgery Disasters the best. Maybe it's because of the sound. It was slicker, a little fatter. Maybe because Tom Wilson was involved, and he helped to capture Ray's guitar better. I don't know. We can talk about that more as we go on.
1: Yeah, definitely. But before we really jump into...
0: And in case we didn't say it, it is The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll, all about the Dead Kennedy.
1: Looking at the players that made this happen, it all started with a guy known as Raymond John Pepperell, born in 1958. He grew up listening to rockabilly surf music and jazz, and you hear that in their sound, which we will get into. But he had posted an ad, and this is how he got his nickname. He was living in the East Bay neighborhood of San Francisco, so he posts this little ad in a music rag that says East Bay, which is his location, and then a couple of spaces, and then Ray. <laughs> <I> and just... <laughs> then a couple more spaces, and then musicians wanted to form a band. And the reason he wanted to play hardcore is because he saw the weirdos live at the Moohawbery in San Francisco and said to himself, This is what I want to do. Ah,
0: So, he posts that ad. There's always an ad. Aren't we finding this, especially before the internet? Always an ad somewhere. Klaus
1: Floride, whose real name is Jeffrey Lyle, was the first person to answer the ad. He was born in Detroit, Michigan, and moved to California as a kid and ended up being very involved in music, playing guitar, switching over to bass. But he, when he first wanted to call Ray was like, do I call him Mr. East Bay, East Bay Ray? How do I approach this? Because he didn't <laughs> know what question. to do. And Hey, dude. Yep, hey, dude. And so he was the first one to answer the ad. And then Eric Boucher, known as Jello Biafro, was the next person to answer that ad.
0: Little known fact about Jeffrey Lyle, a.k.a. Klaus Floride, Back in the 60s, before all this, he actually played with Billy Squire in a band called Magic, Terry, and the Universe.
1: What? I know, I saw that. And then the next person to answer the ad, a gentleman originally from Boulder, Colorado, named Eric Reed Boucher. Who's that? Jello (laughs) Biafra. And he, as we know, is a member of the Green Party, ran for the mayor of San Francisco, while a member of the Dead Kennedys made it past the runoff and ended up in fourth. But he was the third person to answer the ad. And then they added drummer Ted and a rhythm guitarist named 6025.
0: (laughs) No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Guy's name is just, hey, Ted? Ted? And do you call him Six for his nickname or 60125? 6025. Just, see, I wouldn't be like, I'm so drunk, I can't just get Six. Six, <laughs> play this.
1: They were with the band for a little while. They helped work on their very first uh, demo of California Uber Alice, which was their first recording June 19th of
2: 1979. I am Governor Jerry Brown. I are a smile that never crowned. Soon I will
1: Shortly after that, 6025 left the band because he did not like the political radicalness of the band. Oh, he was
0: definitely in the wrong place.
1: (laughs) Definitely. And Ted left the band soon after as well to go to architectural school because he wasn't really uh, into it. And that's when they recruited D.H. Pelligro.
0: And he was with them for a long time and was in the fold, so to speak, right up until his death.
1: Yeah, he was also a member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, he did solo work i mean dh pellegro has a hell of a resume in 2004 he released an album called some of our surroundings that won an award the american independent music awards album of the year So he's quite an accomplished musician, well-respected. And a lot of that punk scene in the early days was, hey, we can just pick up our instruments and play like the Sex Pistols, but these guys weren't that at all. And if you listen to their sound, a lot like the Cramps, they were maybe miscategorized. They have that surf rock influence in their guitar sound and their bass sound, yeah, yeah, which I, I figured we talked I found that too, about. and I was
0: very surprised by that when I started listening to all the material. Like, you know, I've learned some of the songs through the years, but when I really started listening to all, cramps and and all those modern surf rockers with the twang but in the 21st century or 20th century at that
1: point. Oh yeah, Dick Dale was definitely a big influence on Klaus and on East Bay Ray. There's no doubt about it and it was wild listening back to California Uberales and Holiday in Cambodia and hearing that low end or that darkened surf vibe to it or that punk rock surf vibe to it I guess or just it's a darker version of that surf vibe, and it really works with their sound, and it really kind of drives their music, and it fits with the lyrical style of Jello Biafra, perfect. you,
2: act like you. Ass, well, you bitch, so you can get rich, but your boss can off you. oh, work with a in your back, for a bowl of rice a the soldiers till you starve, and your head is skewed. We're well,
0: Beginning to assemble quite a list of characters who've been part. Of this band, the mm-hmm. Dead
1: Kennedys Definitely, and going back a little bit Their live debut was July 19th In 1975 In 1979 they opened For the Offs, and then There was this bar that they were playing at For a couple of months called the Deaf Club And all the punk bands in that area Were part of a recording Called the live compilation From the Deaf Club, and the Dead Kennedys Contributed three songs to that Compilation, then in May Of 80 they released Holiday and Cam Cambodia the 45 and that did really well especially in England in August of 1980 filmed for the movie Erg a music war which was United States punk versus British punk in new wave and they did songs back and forth and it was wild what a great movie
0: where in the middle of this do you think that they or Jello start to get the idea that, hey, we could do all this ourselves. We could be our own fucking label.
1: I think they knew right away because. They're all very smart dudes. They understood the nastiness of the business, and I think they learned pretty quickly in San Francisco, being in Northern California, how nasty the entertainment industry can be and how grueling and gnarly it can be. And them being smart and being ahead of things in the hardcore punk scene or doing something that really... Hasn't caught on yet. They had a little bit more control over what they were doing at the beginning. And so I think it was easier for them to start a label. And it was such a smart choice to do. They did it after their uh, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables record.
0: Well, the first thing they didn't have to deal with were opinions that varied. They could do the things they wanted to do and in the way that they saw them happening without having to consult with other people. And you got to love that if you got the punk ethos working. And they did, man. I want to say one thing about all this the plastic nature of California life at this time, when these guys are forming the bands, and not just them, the other punks on the West Coast too, it demanded that like minded punks form bands together and work to create balance because. California was leaning far right. A little more Kevin McCarthy than, say, Gavin Newsom in those days.
1: Totally. And the punks were very fed up with the politics of capitalism. And many of them still are. And you hear it when they speak today, even. And when we go through the Dead Kennedys music, you're going to find out how many of those songs are relevant today and maybe even a little more relevant today and... Definitely,
0: as I'm going through, I'm listening and hearing what you're talking about. Certain themes or things that are lyrically in certain songs that ring true even now, or especially now, I guess. They poked fun at everything. My bottom line on all this as we head into discussing the music more is that Jello is one far-out cat. He could take the piss out of anybody or anything at any time especially if they deserved and despite already having a pretty grand status in the world of punk i still say he's grossly underrated in the scheme of their initial prime period and for what he did to make it diy important in a relatively short span they created their own punk rock universe paradigm sound image right down to the logo.
1: The lyrics, not only politically biting, but very funny too. They used a sense of humor that a lot of bands wouldn't use or wouldn't even dare to try while getting this message across. And yeah, they would sting you with their message without a doubt. And they would make sure you felt the message. But at the same time, their music made you want to bounce and dance and move and uh, slam dance or whatever you were doing. at the time but it had that effect on you regardless and such a good live band too back in those days it was such a fun show being a teenager and checking them out they were going by the Sharks, the Creamsicles, the Pink Twinkies, the DKs. Like
0: everybody we've talked about, they had a bunch of names before they found the one they settled on, right?
1: Yep. And I was watching an interview with Klaus and East Bay Ray, and people were offended by this name. And I understand why, and they understood why, but they were making a point about capitalism and about politics. And East Bay Ray and Klaus Floride both said that they had respected the Kennedy family. And this was done more in tribute or memoriam. And I'm sure because of the radical nature of Eric Boucher, Jello Biafra, he would have a different story about the name, Probably. being a little more radical, mm-hmm. but I think that the name worked hundred percent and yes, it upset parents and made them think <laughs>
0: it was not only provocative. It was evocative as well. Joseph
1: Pope, who played bass with a band called Angst and became a Grammy-winning engineer, was with Eric Boucher in Boulder. They were listening to records by the Vibrators, the Cortinas, the X-Ray Specs. Okay. And... He happened to mention that he had kept a list of running new band names for years and inspired by his girlfriend's teddy bear. He had a band named the Ted Kennedys and Jello said I had come up with the greatest band name that no one could ever use the dead Kennedys. And this was like in 72, 73.
0: Wow. So that laid around for a while before they pulled it out to (laughs) use.
1: That's a teenager being a teenager trying to push the limits.
0: If ever I form a band, they're going to be called. Insert your teenage band name here. <laughs> and as we're hunting around and researching, I found some pretty interesting places where you can find Ed Kennedy's at the movies, like in the 2004 remake of The Manchurian Candidate. Kinky Sex makes the world go rounds on that soundtrack.
2: Greetings. This is the Secretary of War at the State Department of the United States. <laughs> We have a problem. The companies want something done about this sluggish world economic situation. Profits have been running more than a little thin lately, and we we need to stimulate some growth. Now, we know that there's an alarmingly high number of young people roaming around in your country with nothing to do but stir up trouble for the police and damage private property. Doesn't look
0: like they'll ever get a job. 2010, the social network. Remember that one about the formation of Facebook and all that stuff? California, Uber Alis is on the soundtrack for that. And on the Green Room from 2015 soundtrack, uh, you could hear Nazi punks fuck off.
1: And you know, a lot of bands that we've listened to in the 90s and beyond have claimed the Dead Kennedys as an influence. Bands like System of a Down, Green Day, Faith No More, Rage, Sepultura, The Descendants, Bad Religion, Slayer, X, The Minutemen, The Hives.
0: And a lot of those bands read like Tom Wilson's production resume. Bands that he's worked with and produced through the years. His resume, amazing. And he kind of got his punk break after starting out in studio work, doing Stiff Vader's Disconnected. And he worked his way through to the Dead Kennedys' Plastic Surgery Disasters in 1982, which is not only a great sound, it's filled with great songs and But after that, they pretty much did their own thing in the studio, and we can talk about that as we go, too.
1: Ray, what do you say we take a quick break, grab a pint, and come back and start talking about the music of the Dead Kennedys in two minutes or less? (laughs)
0: Ha, 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 ha. Sounds great. That's what I came for. (laughs) Thanks, as always, to Boldfoot Socks for sponsoring the podcast. And boy, oh, boy, they've got some big doings, and we've got Josh
1: yeah josh ran a 100k race in the socks that he wore the year before and they held up just as well the second
0: time and here's the man josh law on his latest adventure the Ravapai 100 miler all right so we just hit mile 25 which means we
2: are one fourth of the way done we just passed mile 40. still feeling all right just crossed over the 80 mile barrier starting to get there. It's also starting to hurt a little bit. Let's go, Josh. Finish it out.
1: Woo. Don't forget to go to boldfoot.com and check out the socks that they have. American grown, American sewn.
0: And you know, they're road tested by Josh himself.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're your feet. Be bold. Ah, springtime, Marcus, and the warmer weather means the doors are going to be open. People are going to be drinking those Crooked Eye brews outside, enjoying the atmosphere of the warmer weather as the weather turns towards the beautiful part of spring. But between here and there, they're keeping it rocking inside, too, at Crooked Eye, right there in the heart of Hapro. And we thank them for their support for about a million years now on the Imbalance History Podcast.
1: With the weather getting nice, that means they're going to line up some really beautiful spring type of beers for you and I to enjoy when you sit outside and enjoy the weather at Crooked Eye. They also have cocktails, they have food, so much more. It is a great place to hang out.
0: And the entertainment is ongoing every night. There's something going on, including my vinyl night, the second Tuesday of every month. Grab some friends, come on round right there off of York Road in Montgomery. It's Crook and I Brewery, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. Always a good time to be had and a new friend to be made. <laughs> Punk Rock Month here <laughs> on the imbalance History of Rock and Roll. We're into the shit now with the Dead Kennedys. And we're ready to dig into some fresh fruit and rotting vegetables and all kinds of shit that stirs up shit because the music is strong and the message is pointed. It's like a pointy stick. It keeps (laughs) pointing at people and poking them for years. Now, they included those singles that they'd already put out, which is kind of how most of us started to really hear about them. Well, the first thing I learned was that a couple of the songs that I liked on the album were distributed regionally. And they're the two main songs that really grabbed a lot of people and pulled them in. You know, we were talking about the realization that their sound shared a lot with the cramps and stuff like that, Marcus. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I learned while doing our research for this really explained a lot, maybe some of the things that I didn't understand about how Jello and the band formed this Dead Kennedy sound. Their influences, for one. Bauhaus, which... I can hear it. I didn't see it, I guess you'd say. Also, they cite the influence of this guy, Les Baxter, who was like one of those real big band-type pop stars of the previous eras, you know? And that surprised me. Oh, my
2: love, my darling.
0: And he also cited this band called the Groundhogs. And when I went and listened to some of their music, I went, oh, wow. It was startling how this band from the 60s that I'd never heard of had an influence on a band that I heard later. And there they are, the Groundhogs, ladies and gentlemen. i got to ask the question, for the Dead Kennedys, are these the keystones to their version of American West Coast punk rock?
1: There are definitely some of them. you got to also include people like Dick Dale and some sure. of those old ravers because you hear that raver vibe at a hell of a lot faster pace than even what the cramps did, but it's all But that all was there. obvious
0: to me. That was obvious to me, buddy. I heard that. I went, oh, yeah, that's real easy to hear. But then I start reading, and reading always makes things different, right? Always changes totally. things. Right. And it took me from where I started on this Dead Kennedys adventure to where we are now in the middle of talking Talking about it, and it's a lot different than where I thought I'd be. Let's just say that.
1: I know we talked about California Uberales and Holiday in Cambodia being released as singles well before the rest of the album was even recorded and released. But some of the other songs that were released include Kill the Poor and Boy Did This Piss Off the British, because the back cover has uh, Monks the Scream twice, modified once with a nuclear factory and the second time with a mushroom cloud. Artwork done by Winston Smith, whose name is going to keep coming up. And then on the cover photo, it was a photo taken of the Conservative Conference in London with the sign Kill the Poor on it. And let me tell you how upset the Conservatives were about this photo. If in
2: progress is ours once more. It's and a brand new day No more will be taxed to pay anyway, And something's alone's gonna be flashing at The God, this away It last we have more room to play Our systems go and kill the poor night the poor Kill, the Kill, 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 kill
0: So fucked up because think about it. In England, the punks are for the poor and against the rich. And here he's saying the opposite because I think he's part contrarian. I just got to say that too. An observation in some of the stuff I saw and some of the, the sentiments that are expressed in the music. He's contrarian. A little
1: bit. Well, maybe contrarian, but he also felt that the uh, conservative policies were going to kill the poor over the long term a lot more. And I think that's more yeah. of where he was uh, going politically. And then you have, you know, Holiday in Cambodia, which is really a blast at white males in suburbia and capitalism and suburban white culture. And it's about basically you sitting here in your college dorm being all comfortable with your beer and your party life well this is what's happening in the rest of the world
0: ironically i was on college radio at this time playing that song and laughing about that the whole time i did and that was really my introduction to these guys when it came into the radio station at trenton state and i started playing it holiday in cambodia baby that stirred some shit up everywhere
1: And another inspiration for the song was when Ronald Reagan shut down the mental health asylums to save money. The patients were just released on the street and basically had to fend for themselves. And that caused a lot of chaos and that created a lot of unnecessary homelessness. They were a lot more meticulous than a lot of the other hardcore bands.
0: And almost all the punk bands, especially after initial recording experiences, they were caring about how the record sounded. And putting more into it than just two and a half minutes.
1: A couple other songs you should check out on this opening album. Well, you if you've got 33 minutes, you can listen to the entire album front to back anyway. No sweat. But it's fast, <laughs> but when you get drafted, Jello Biafra was very, very, very anti-Vietnam, as many Americans actually were, especially at the end when the horror stories started coming back. And Let's Lynch the Landlord was basically about the ridiculously high prices of rent and the cost of living in California. Chemical Warfare, which we know Jello Biafra's stance on war. I Kill Children, Stealing People's Mail. A couple of great songs on the album that have poignant messages.
2: We ain't going to the party. We ain't going to the game. We ain't going to the dinner. Ain't going to cruise our mail. We're stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail. Stealing people's mail.
1: And remember, it is sarcasm, satire, and the use of imagery to tell a story or reflect a point of view.
0: I suspect that a lot of the same people who got upset with the imagery in Alice Cooper's albums in the 70s were pretty pissed off about this kind of stuff too because they didn't get
1: it. Absolutely and Tipper Gore and the PMRC gave them fits for a couple of years as well and we'll get into that.
0: he gave as good as he got and gave them a couple black eyes and a couple kicks in the shins along the ways too. He didn't suffer that shit and I don't blame him. He was right. He was speaking mainly from the heart of the people, and as a DIY punk, he was showing the other West Coasters, this is how we do it. You can do your thing, too.
1: And the politics in the L.A. punk scene were quite different than the politics in the San Francisco scene and definitely quite different than Jello Biafra's personal politics. So you got a very interesting, wide range of political angst from the punk scene on the West Coast at that time.
0: And on their way out the door, let's tag it with the commonality between them and us, the love of Viva Las Vegas.
1: In 1981, the Dead Kennedys released an EP called In God We Trust, Incorporated. And again, they ramped it up a little bit. The more blowback the Dead Kennedys received from the system, the more they pushed back. They were the type of band that would push back as hard as they were pushed, or if possible, even harder. And if you look at the uh, cover, which is Jesus on a dollar bill cross, too did that piss a lot of people off because that fits more with the Mammonite, the Sodomite, and Gomorrah in the Bible versus the traditional teachings of the Bible. But we're not getting into that at this point. We're talking. About I think the we Dead already Kennedys. are. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that
0: really which one are we talking about? The first album?
1: No, we're jumping into the EP, which is the oh, one. Oh, that's the, the, the one I don't have on God my we screen. Trust. Okay, gotcha. And this one, even song wise, is a bite at the religious right including songs like Religious Vomit, Moral Majority, and this song really upset people because in the chorus, Blow It Out Your Ass, Jerry Falwell is one of the lyrics. Also, Nazi punks fuck off as Jello o hated yeah, see, Nazis.
0: You know, it's like he sends so many mixed messages. On one hand, he's telling Jerry Falwell this, and he's telling the Nazis he's pissed at the right people. Is it just that he's pissed at everybody except for his gang? I don't get it now. I guess yeah. I'm just a little lost in the politics at this point because he sends so many different messages
1: think about it this way he's the type of uh, rebel that's not afraid to call out both sides and being a member of the green party he that's right is not afraid to attack the flaws of the left and the flaws of the right last two songs on the in god we trust ep are great we've got a bigger problem now is a remake of California Uber and instead of going after Jerry Brown like he did in California Uber he goes after Governor Ronald Reagan, and we've got a bigger problem now.
2: Last call for alcohol. Last call for your freedom of speech. Drink up. Happy hour is now enforced by law. Don't forget our house special. It's called the Tricky Dicky Screwdriver. It's got one part Jack Daniels, two parts purple kool aid and a shaker of formaldehyde from the jar with Hitler's brain in a- Ronald Reagan, born again with fascist cravings. Still, you make the president. Human rights will soon go away. I'm now your to shine. Now I command all of you. Now you're gonna parade still, and I'll make sure they're Christian too.
1: And then they shut it down with some Rawhide and their own lyrics and their own vibe to Rawhide. And then a year later, we got Plastic Surgery Disasters. This is the second full-length record from the Dead Kennedys. And Tom Wilson co-produced it with the band. And it was on the alternative Tentacles label as well, which is the Dead Kennedys label, Jello's label.
0: One of the things that starts to be a pattern at this time is their use of Hyde Studios in San Francisco. And I didn't know this till we started digging, but Hyde Street used to be Wally Hyder's San Francisco location when he expanded from L.A. And Hyde Street Studios continue, I think, even through today to record bands right there where they did all this music.
1: These little studios are so amazing. It'd be fun to see a documentary on that studio for
0: sure. Now this is the album where DH really kicks in as a full member of the band and takes over on the drums. And I think that he influences the sound as well as working in a proper studio with a guy like Tom Wilson helping to tweak the knobs.
1: I agree with you 100%. Their sound definitely changed and grew bigger and they became a tighter band as well. During this time period.
0: But the whole album, still only 42:56, And that includes a long song for any punk band, Riot, which I think is one of the finest pieces of work they did on this album. Rioting the
2: unbeatable
0: high. Adrenaline
2: shoots your nerves to the sky. Everyone knows this town. Gonna blow. And it's all gonna right
1: they also have a four-and-a-half-minute song and a four-minute song on that, and a five-minute song, too. They have some long songs on this record, at least side two they do, and then side one is like nine songs of uh, short nature and punk rock speed the songs that really stood out to me on this and these are the ones that i really remember listening to in my teenage years government blue terminal preppy buzz bomb,
2: buzz bomb, buzz bomb Gross, i say that's how i feel i cruise alone i cruise far. i don't have you alone
1: Eagle Warriors, hilarious. Bleed for me is pretty solid as well. And the longer songs, Moon Over Marin and Riot, are pretty damn good too.
0: And they were getting people's attention and selling records and building a fan base.
1: Their shows were wild. The pits were so much fun in those days.
0: Why was it three years between Plastic Surgery Disasters and their next album, Frankenchrist? Christ?
1: I think you had a little bit of a burnout, plus they spent a lot of time on the road as well, and I think they just needed a little bit of time. And they also had a lot of legal hassles because of the covers. They were dealing with a lot at that time period. Some of the cover art issues that they had and legal issues that they had at that time include the lawsuit that they received for the back cover of Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables, and it was this Christian rock band that, if you look at the album art cover, they're headless, and then it's got a bunch of words around it. Originally, they took the album art photo and used it because it was an image from public domain, and then they perverted that image with Photoshop from that time period, which was a lot of cut and paste art. Oh, yeah, it was. <laughs> so, this band sued the Dead Kennedys, claiming they were a good Christian band. Then the Dead Kennedys pointed out that this Christian band recorded an album at Black Voodoo Studios, and so the band shut the fuck up and settled for $3,000 and let them use the photo as long as there were no likenesses of the band members' faces, so the Dead Kennedys just removed their heads from the photo.
0: (laughs) Dumbasses, if they'd let them use it, they could have got a piece of the T-shirts. I know. Can you believe that? It was a swirling world of shit at one point, and he didn't do anything to slow it down or take his finger off the frappe button on the blender, right? He was just keeping it going because every time that he got a headline, every time he got himself in the middle of something, it was helping him to build his platform to talk about the issues that were important to the band and himself politically, and most of his politics, the politics of the people. Well, you want to stir shit in a blender, man? Call your album Franken Christ in 1985 and you're off and running.
1: This album came out as I was graduating from high school and so many kids in my senior class bought this record. It included a poster featuring a painting, landscape, Double X or penis landscape by H.R. Geiger, depicting rows of copulating penises and Volve. Yes, he it does. <laughs> it's a and lovely again, piece of art. Again, an offender. The Frank and Christ front cover depicts the Shriners Parade, featuring Shriners members driving miniature cars while wearing their distinctive red Fez hats. The four Shriners members pictured in the photograph sued the dead Kennedys in 86. The image was originally photographed and published in Newsweek in the 70s, a decade before Frankenkreist used. By the DKs and alternative tentacles.
0: Hmm, doesn't that kind of put it into the public domain a little?
1: I think so. Some of the really big songs are some of the songs that we used to enjoy the hell out of on this one, MTV, Get Off the Air, jock Invasion of the Beef Patrol, Chicken Farm, A Growing Boy Needs His Lunch, Hell Nation, Soup is Good Food, and just some great sarcasm, and Goons of Hazard's another funny one as well.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, it scared the shit out of people, from the name to the grooves, and it was a lot of fun for those of us who were in on the joke. It had a bigger guitar sound, more twangy, and I love the rant in soup is good food. It's unbelievable spitting the words at jocks and overbearing rednecks as protest. Really, this could be anywhere. Now is anywhere, anytime, and that's a little scary, right? When it came to MTV, get off the air. I remember thinking, it's just a protest song. What are you all pissed off about? The voice compilation's great because it's kind of a impersonation of two or three of the VJs all together, and it had a killer riff.
1: People, I like guess. Sometimes don't like to be mocked in certain ways
0: or poked ah, at in certain them. ways. The song At My Job had a little bit of a Ramstein ish sound to it. But this is when they were at their peak as far as like making an impact politically and socially. And after that, they continued to make albums. Bedtime for Democracy is just as good as anything else they recorded. I love Dear Abby because it's funny. Another thing about Bedtime for Democracy, it really cemented in my mind. East Bay Ray, as the punk godfather of Bay punk guitar, man. Fucking
1: hey. And if you listen to the Dead Kennedys records, you can't say that these guys don't know how to play their instruments. They do. They've had excellent drummers between Ted and D.H. Pelligro, and East Bay Ray and Klaus fluoride tearing it up on their instruments know how to play as well. And then they have this most unique frontman vocalist, Jello Biafra. And if you look at some of the live videos on YouTube, he was wild on stage and he definitely tried to engage the audience.
0: In the middle of all of this in April, 1986, Biafra's house is raided by police officers after complaints from the PMRC. And it's all about Franken Christ and HR Geiger and the penis landscape. Sanity prevailed. It's art folks. If it offends you, look away you are allowed. It's America. And I think that was part of their point back then. Yeah, it's America so far. You know, I mean, yep. that's why they had to stand up and take a stand and say the things and do the things they did. All punk rockers felt compelled by what they saw as that plastic Republican California of the 1970s and 80s.
1: I agree with you 100%, and I agree with them. If you don't like it, go elsewhere. You'll find something you like and that doesn't offend you. Go
0: elsewhere. There's a whole library. Find another book. Don't burn mine. A couple other
1: fun songs on Bedtime for Democracy, their final studio album, Take This Job and Shove It, a cover of that old country song. Yep. And uh, of course, with Jello Biafra's lyrics. You have The Great Wall, Rambozo the Clown. Uh, macho Insecurity, Another yeah. Attack on Bullying. Cesspools in Eden, which is almost six-minute tune, Do the Slag. Anarchy for Sale, too, wraps up the record.
0: After this, things change and people come and go, right? They'd held it together pretty well for a punk band this close to the edge. I mean, they're right on the cutting edge, leaning over. You know, it's amazing they didn't fall off.
1: That's true. And in a previous episode talking about punk rock... Somebody, and I can't remember who off the top of my head, said the problem with uh, punk bands is they burn bright hard quickly and then they fade quickly. And I feel like in some ways, even though the Dead Kennedys remain relevant today, their light burned bright and died out pretty quickly because we only got four albums from them.
0: And, you know, you'd think that they'd find a way back to work together together. And they never did. And as you said, they have a lot of live albums that have come out. And they're on a lot of compilations. And there's a lot of places where they naturally would appear. You know, where it makes sense for them to be part of it. But to never get back together and give it another run is kind of surprising, I think, to a lot of people. I mean, you know, Jello went on and did other things and other bands, and we could talk about him and that some other time, I suppose.
1: Absolutely. But they broke up in 87, and then in about 98, 99, the rest of the guys got together and sued Jello Biafra because he and SST were keeping royalty checks from those guys in the band. And so they were like, screw you, we want our money. And this lawsuit eventually got settled, but there's a lot of bitterness, I think, between them. Mm. There was a documentary done called Fresh Fruit for Rotting Eyeballs, and they (laughs) took a lot of stuff out that was about Jello Biafra. And so they didn't talk about a lot of that, Um, but they talked about the making of the records and all of that. And then they recruited Brandon Cruz to do vocals instead of... uh,
0: That's the mind bender in this whole thing. I know. Eddie from The Courtship of Eddie's Father is in The Dead Kennedys, and I never knew that. I, I know. And then Jeff
1: Penalty did lead vocals from 2003 to 2008. And currently they have Ron Skip. Greer doing lead vocals, and we don't know who their drummer's going to be since D.H. Peligro passed away last year, sadly, after a fall hit his head, and that's so heartbreaking. What an accomplished drummer. He wrote a bunch of songs on the Mother's Milk record for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Sexy Mexican Maiden, two others that are great songs.
0: Probably pay the bills for a long time, those tracks.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: Well, it's been a lot of fun talking about the Dead Kennedys, and I'm sure we missed a lot of stuff. We might have breezed over some other things that we should have spent more time on. So that's where you come in, right, Marcus?
1: Absolutely. And I
0: don't mean you. I mean them.
1: Yes, them. So if you hear something that we missed in the story, if we left something out, if we forgot something, if we got something wrong, please shoot us an email, imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. You can go to our website, imbalancedhistory.com, and fill out a contact form there. You can also hit us up on our social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll.
0: It's Punk Rock Month. Week one is in the can, man. What's happening for week two? Punk rock month twenty-three.
1: We're gonna keep it on the west coast, go south, and bring you black flag.
0: So much fun. Oh yeah. Thanks to our sponsors, Boldfoot Socks. They keep your feet nice and dry in the pit and a good place to hear tunes. Maybe not punk rock so much, but pretty much everything under the sun at Crooked Eye Brewery and Hapro. Thanks to both of them for their support.
1: We are also a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
0: From the Dark Doc Media Studios, it's time to go. I'm Ray Coob.
1: I'm Marcus Goldman.
0: And you're listening to Punk Rock Monk on the imbalanced history
1: of rock and roll.
2: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.